Okay, can everybody hear me? And I'll try not to talk too fast. My sweetheart is up there and he's going to give me hand signals, so hopefully this all works. I think I want it a little closer. Well, you may ask, so why am I up here? Because Dennis asked me if I would do the sermon. Stand up, Dennis. So how could I say no to someone that does as much as Dennis does? He provides leadership through example, and I could spend my whole sermon talking about all that Dennis does. I've never done a sermon before, unless preaching at Blake would count. (laughs) You know, I wasn't sure what I would say, and I hoped that the Holy Spirit would show me the way. Several weeks ago, Pastor Henry said from the pulpit that as Christians, we need to do more than just sit in the pew on Sunday. He went on to talk about leaders and that leadership wasn't just something that the pastor did. I think he may have been talking to me. So when Dennis asked, I said yes, and here I am. I asked Dennis if there was a title, and he said no, And so I'm choosing the title, People of Faith. I believe that sermon lessons usually state the lesson in three, in threes. And so, uh, Blake, my best friend, soulmate, and husband of 30 plus years said what that really meant was that the message was given three different ways. I'm not sure that I'll achieve this, but I will break what I'm going to say into three parts. So let me give you kind of a preview. I will first talk about today's scriptures as they speak to me, then relating my personal thoughts of being a family member of First Baptist Church, and then rounding it out with recognition of Father's Day. Scriptures. I'll first talk about Second Corinthians. Paul is warning the Corinthians not to receive God's grace in vain. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that isn't enough. Salvation can be lost by our actions or inactions. A little bit more about this later. Have you accepted God's grace superficially? And are you feeling like a spectator just sitting and watching the action going on around you? Paul says that there may be some around us that have not yet accepted Christ into their lives. They have heard the gospel, but they haven't made their decision. What are we doing to minister to others? How have we put stumbling blocks in the path of others? I think that there may be some of us who accepted Christ, but have found our way back onto the fence of inaction and indecision. Are we willing to take a hard look at ourselves? Are we willing to make a change? Paul concludes his lesson by telling the people that as Christians, we must be a believer, live our belief, and minister by taking action and reaching out to others. We must open our hearts and truly live as Christians on the inside and the outside. God has offered us a free gift his son who died on the cross to take away our sins so that we would have eternal life. 
What have we done with this gift? This gift is not earned but was freely given. Truly accepting this gift allows us to be new, born again. As born again in the spirit, we need to be new on the outside and the inside. It's not just enough to look like the real thing. We need to let go of our old life. We truly receive God's grace when we let it change us so that we are new through and through. And yes, that means that we need to move from a person of inaction to a person of action, living as Christians every day, every hour, every moment, reflecting in the grace that God has provided us. Praise God for his holy word. Now I'd like to move on to the second reading in Mark. It's about Jesus' miracle of stealing, stilling the waters. That was kind of a hard word for me. Um, one outcome of Jesus' ministry was that his miracles attracted men and women who were anxious to hear his message. It was the miraculous healing ministry of Jesus which drew the multitudes to the place where the Sermon on the Mount was delivered. The people expected the Messiah to present himself by signs. The miracles not only revealed the power of God, but his son. In Jesus' miracles, we see the sympathy and compassion of God showing us how action is better than inaction. Jesus was deeply moved by human suffering and need. These needs prompted him to action again and again. The miracles reveal Jesus to be the redeemer and restorer of a fallen universe and the potential for a better humankind. He came to show us, to instruct us, and to save us, to save all of us. The unbelief, the inaction of the, of the disciples is just as evident in who we are as Christians today as it was in that little boat tossed by the sea. It is not so much that we doubt God's ability to save us as it is God's awareness of our needs. We falsely suppose that because our Lord is with us that the storms of life will pass us by. We easily become inactive and find ourselves sitting on the fence once again. Often we don't even realize that we're back on the fence. Then when the trials of life sweep full force over us, and it seems that we're losing ground, here our faith is tested. We wonder at why God seems to be asleep at the wheel, while we are only too aware of our impending peril. We do not doubt God's power to act in our behalf. We wonder at his refusal to act. We do not see our state of being an active Christians in our faith. God can really care for us, yet let us sail headlong into disaster. Is God's inaction that we should be questioning, or is he holding a mirror in front of us so that we can see our own inaction? Does God delay his deliverance to of us to the point of our despair so that his salvation will be acknowledged as totally divine? No, I believe that it is our own inaction that is the delay we see and feel. It was only when the disciples were snatched from the jaws of death that they sensed their inability 
and God's omnipotence, his all-powerful being. Only then did the disciples see that action see that action, God's action of compassion is the way. And just being a follower is not taking action and is not God's way. We must trust God's desire for our well-being, as well as his timing if we are to be people of faith and not confuse our Christian inaction for what seems to be God's hesitation to take action on our behalf. So, who am I? I'm into the second section now, and I'll tell you a little bit about me. I'm a child of God. I'm still small in my understanding of God's ways, and I'm still learning to live my faith. I struggle with doing the right thing. I make many mistakes. I judge, other, I judge others when I know that I shouldn't. I'm truly humbled by God's grace and his patience with me. Let me tell you a little bit about my background. <clears throat> I grew up, for the most part, unchurched. Because there was an LDS ward across the street from my childhood home, I participated in Sunday school and other social activities. I was nine years old when my older sister married a Catholic of Italian heritage. I'll never forget the comments from members and teachers in that ward. They told me how sorry they were for me and my family because they were the only true church and my new brother-in-law was seen as a person of dark skin. He had a Mediterranean complexion, which they saw as the same as the mark of Cain. Thus began my journey to find a faith that accepted all of God's children. From that day on, and for the next several years, I struggled and I sat on the fence of indecision and inactivity about my faith. I'd like to share with you a common joke, and I'm sure that you've heard this one before. It's about God not helping the man that was in a flood, and he drowned, and he died. And the man climbed to the roof of his house, waiting to be saved. And when someone in the boat came by, he didn't get in the boat because he knew that God was going to save him. And then when somebody came by with a helicopter and they dropped the rope, he didn't try to catch the rope and climb up because he, he was waiting for God to, to save him. So when he was in heaven, he asked God, why didn't you help me? And God said, I did. I sent a boat and I sent a helicopter. Well, let me tell you why this joke means a lot to me. The reason I love the joke is because God came to me carrying a big old honkin' vacuum cleaner when I was stranded on my own rooftop. She rang my doorbell and I praise God that I answered it. That wonderful person was a brand new friend by the name of Marlis. I was sick and I was on bed rest. I was living in California. I had few friends and there was no family around. And my neighbor, who barely knew me, came knocking and carrying that big old vacuum and it was a honker. Well, she insisted on vacuuming my house. 
I need to back up a little bit because I, I forgot one part that I think was really important. Uh, when I talk about that I was stranded on my own rooftop, she rang my doorbell and I praise God that I answered it. That was the important part to me, is that I answered it. And that wonderful person is a wonderful friend of over 30 years. And, you know, it wasn't just enough to vacuum my house. But she explained that she needed to have me make nut cups for Christian Women's Club. I'm talking about like over a hundred nut cups. And I'm thinking, oh, who is this woman? Well, that was the beginning of my Christian walk by sliding down off of the fence of indecision because of that simple gesture of friendship. And yes, I made those nut cups. And before long, I was very active in Christian Women's Club, meeting some wonderful new friends. I attended a Bible study that included women of all different faiths. What a wonderful experience to share, to accept each other's differences, and to be one in Christ. And I joined an American Baptist church when I was in California. When I returned to Salt Lake City, I met my soulmate and my future husband. What's his name? Oh, yeah, it's Blake. You know, he's way up there. He hasn't given me too many hand signals yet. We all love Blake. We were married at First Baptist Church by Pastor Keck. And the thing that I always remember is Ellis' Keck's powder blue polyester leisure suit and his white patent shoes under his black robe. It was really quite striking. I, I think you can know the timing of when this marriage took place. Well, we were married in the Skaggs Chapel. And I want you to know that that's a chapel that was the result of another's call to action and donating and having that wonderful chapel that we have here. And what some of you may or may not know is that I was waiting for my divorce to be final as we were planning the wedding. And I hadn't received the final papers yet. Well, of course, I was a nervous bride, but I was especially nervous because of the delay in receiving the paperwork. But Pastor Keck said, don't worry. If it's not final, we'll just go ahead with the wedding ceremony and sign the marriage certificate af afterwards when the papers arrive. He was not only a very wise man, but, he, but one taken to action through his faith that God will be there for us. And yes, the paperwork did come through. The divorce was final before we took our wedding vows. First Baptist Church, Salt Lake City, has been our church home for over 30 years. My faith journey has been rich because of all of the wonderful experiences I have had here. I praise God that I've been able to serve him by the small actions of my life. If this is your first time at First Baptist Church, or you've been here before, one time, several times, a few years, or several years, I welcome you with an open heart and a desire to walk in faith through our actions together. I welcome you warmly. First Baptist is my church family. Yes, we have lumps and bumps, but we're a wonderful family. We're a little dysfunctional at times, but you know, we are family, and we're there for each other. I'll tell you a few stories. I could go on and on and on, because after over 30 years, you can imagine, as I look out at the congregation, 
a lot of stories. You know, I love the fact that we have a revolving door. I don't know if you noticed that when you came in. But, you know, we've seen friends come and go and come and go. And then some are gone on for a new journey of faith. But everyone is always welcome back with open arms. And, you know, there's actually been times when Blake and I have needed to step back. And praise God, we have always been warmly welcomed back. I'm thankful for all of my experiences at First Baptist Church. I'm grateful that there are a variety of small groups. So when a group of my peers decided that we wanted to form a small group to support one another, we just did it. So for I don't know how many years, Church Ladies has met. Most recently, we formed a book club. We do community outreach. We've grown to be a diverse group of churched, unchurched, on the fence, off the fence. We pray for one another. We celebrate with one another. And I praise God for all of you ladies that have been part of my life in church ladies and other activities. From my oldest friend, and yes, Karen, I'm a few months older than you, Karen Carter, to my very newest friend, Marion Stephen, I praise God for the richness of their friendship and for the friendship and love of so many at First Baptist Church. And you know, if I start saying all the names, I'm going to forget somebody. It's kind of like the Oscars, so you guys know who you are. It's important that we don't try to fit everyone into the same mold. You do not need to become a believer in the same way I did. We all have our own walks of faith. At First Baptist Church, you don't need to be a member for a long time before we listen to your ideas. Matter of fact, we'll listen to everyone's ideas. We may not always agree, but praise God that we can agree to disagree. We don't need to use the same religious vocabulary that I use or Blake uses. And did you know, yes, Blake calls the God of the Old Testament the Hairy Thunderer, and Jesus the Cosmic Muffin, and his disciples the Sunshine Band. But it's okay. You don't need to pray like I do for God to hear you. You just need to pray. You don't need to behave in ways that keep me in my comfort zone. What has helped me grow is having different opportunities to interact with my church family. Sometimes the opportunities have been short, and many have been years, and many have been decades long. You don't need to embrace the same causes that I think are important. There is room for lots of causes. All you need to do is embrace that cause that are presented to you. Yes, our fear, the unknown, and our insatiable desire for control are huge obstacles that we continue to place in front of ourselves and others. But as people of faith, we need to remind ourselves that we are all children of God and growing in and by his love. Praise God for the people of faith at First Baptist Church. Today's an exciting day. It's the celebration of Father's Day. There are all kinds of fathers, and as we celebrate Father's Day, let's not forget to thank the most important father of all, our Heavenly Father. 
I praise God for all of my blessings and for knowing that he will be there for me even in the darkest days. Blake has often said that maybe more important than being a father is being a dad. Being a dad doesn't necessarily mean being the biological father. And I want to thank you, Blake, for being a loving dad to our two boys. I guess I should call them men by now. Can you believe Andy is 35 and Justin will be 31 in a few years, and I'm 29? You know, in raising the boys, they would seek Blake out when they were sick. They didn't think I was very gentle. He was there to help them with special projects, school science projects, Boy Scout projects, you name it, projects. He was there when the boys needed direction, and I just want to thank you, Blake. Here's the part why I brought the hankies. (laughs) I thank God for my dad. I'll try not to cry. My dad was a house painter, a hard worker, and a provider. It was so hard to get dad to share his personal feelings. But you know what? When you needed help, there was my dad with a paintbrush. (laughs) He could always talk to you with a paintbrush. Thank you, God. Thank you, Dad. May you rest in peace. Okay, now I'm not going to cry. I thank all of the dads that have been there for our two sons. I especially thank Sunday school teachers, John Fellows, who inspired our sons to reach beyond, and Bill Clark. Maybe some of you might remember Bill. He was an outstanding youth leader. I'll never forget when Bill Clark was driving an old truck on a youth outing to Moab. Andy, our oldest, chose to go with Bill in the cab of the truck. Now, this pickup truck was very, very old, very small, and Bill Clark was a very, very large man. In the back of the truck, it was overloaded with supplies, including watermelons that were precariously perched on the load. As they were speeding along, the watermelons started flying off of the truck. So Bill quickly pulled over, and yes, it was a slight incline, and Bill jumped out to save the watermelons, and he told our Andy to put on the brakes. Seems pretty easy. Well, our Andy couldn't quite get the brakes on, and Bill was literally hanging on to the tailgate to slow the truck down until Andy, who does not have the longest legs, could get in a position to apply pressure to the brake pedal and stop the runaway truck. And there was Bill, you know, just hanging on for dear life. Well, that has been quite the story repeated many times around our dinner table. Just lots of warm and wonderful memories. And I praise all of the leaders that provided our sons opportunities because they were willing to be volunteer as teachers, youth leaders, mentors, you name it. I want to thank all the dads that sing in our choir and mentor the new teenagers and young adults that have joined our choir. And I just want to thank all those wonderful people with wonderful voices because the one way that I really feel close to the Lord is when I hear your beautiful voices. And yes, I weep every time when I hear those songs, especially the old ones. I want to thank Dennis 
for being the dad to all of the kids in the child care. Over 90 kids, about 96, 98. And you should see the gleam in their eyes when they spot Dennis. You know, Dennis, I want to thank you for being there for those little kids. That's really important. You see, Father's Day is about a lot of dads that have helped shape a lot of lives, and doing so have helped shape my life. So to each dad, I say, Happy Father's Day. So, as Ray Carter said last Sunday, let us praise God for having faith in us, and as faithful people, let's not just be Sunday Christians. Let's not rest our faith during the other days. And when someone asks if you can help, pray fully consider it and listen carefully to the Holy Spirit. You may be surprised what wonderful opportunities await you. Praise God from whom all blessings flow and bless each of you. Amen.